Thank you, Gareth. Wonderful. Well, it is good to be with you. My name is Tim. I've got the best job in the world. I get to, to speak up for those who don't have a voice. Now, I don't have a voice this morning, so maybe the enemy is trying to still my voice. But so pray for me. It's been such a blessing. I've had hot water, warm water brought. Somebody nudged me and said, here's some throat sweets. There's tissues on the stage. I, I couldn't be more looked after, could I? But let's, let's pray that uh, over these next few minutes, as we consider God's word, that his voice will be heard and that the lives of many people will be changed. Uh, I want to say uh, thank you so much to you as a church for your partnership. I want to th thank you and uh, just commend the heart of Andrew and the leadership for their generosity of spirit. It's crazy in natural terms to bring you know, a, a, an organization like Compassion in at this time. But uh, we believe that, that God honors uh, those who honor the poor and who look after the poor and you cannot fail to be blessed. I'm believing for a deficit to be cleared in Jesus' name. Amen? Are you sure about that? You don't, you don't sound very sure. I'm believing for this deficit to be cleared in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Come on, let's do it. Let's rise in faith this morning and believe together. If you um, don't know anything about compassion, compassion's been going for over... Um, 65 years in that time, a million kids have gone through our programs. Currently, two million children are registered on over 7,000 programs in 25 nations in three continents, and their lives are being changed forever. Can I tell you that uh, last year, 158,000 kids gave their lives to Jesus. Isn't that wonderful? Oh, you're not sure about that one either, are you? That's better. And, and 5,000 caregivers as well gave their lives to Christ. You see, what you're doing is not just helping a child, that child that you've got fixed on your fridge or on, on the uh, mantelpiece. You're changing communities. You're building the church. You're building the kingdom of God in that place. So this is an incredible thing uh, that uh, you're involved in. So thank you so much. If you have a Bible, just turn to Luke's Gospel, chapter 10. Verses 25 to 37. And Gareth, I'm going to get you to read if you don't mind. Luke's Gospel, chapter 10, verse 25 to 37. And uh, uh, just while you're looking there, you know, uh, we're, we're talking about children. We've got a couple of children here. and We've got about 150 kids from this brand new project. Here's a little boy called Maison. And he's going to be four on the 1st of March. Maison. That's uh, French for house, isn't it? What about bringing the kingdom of God to his house and changing this little boy's life and his family? Here's a little girl called Baby. What a great name. And she's going to be six in May, and you can change her life today. So I'm just going to put these children just down here. Wait a minute. Nobody puts Baby in a corner, do they? So we'll, <laughs> we'll put them here, shall we? And... Uh, uh, Maison as well. So uh, if you've, you've turned to the word of God, let's read God's word in Jesus' name. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he replied. How do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself. So he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. 
They stripped him of his clothes, beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. Amen. Let's pray, shall we? Father, thank you so much for uh, your presence in this place today. We want to honor you, King Jesus. Thank you that you are the center. Thank you, Jesus, that this is your church and we're about your kingdom. What a privilege. What a privilege to be part of the family of God. And Lord, we want to uh, look after each other here, but we want to look to the needs of those in our community and across our wider world as well. So Father, would you encourage our hearts, show us what we need to do to be more like you today, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, that's a great story. It's a story that we know very well. Even if you've not been coming to church recently, even if you wouldn't necessarily call yourself a Christian, you've probably heard that story. Maybe it was way back there in school, uh, an assembly or something like that. But the, the story of the Good Samaritan and Jesus wanted to teach this guy and his disciples and the people something very, very special. You see, um, they all had kind of uh, these, these different uh, people that came across this guy that was broken, all responded differently. But there was one person who uh, got involved. Everybody else said, no, I'm, I, I'm too busy. I've got to get to church. The, the, the Levite's thinking, well, I, I can't get involved. There's blood there. He didn't even cross the road. I've already started the ceremonial cleansings and washings so that I can prepare the sacrifices. I can't go there, uh, but I'm sure God has sent somebody else. Well, somebody else did come, and this is the guy that you could almost forgive for walking by because he was a Samaritan, and the Jews and the Samaritans hated each other, and I guess the guy on the ground is thinking, well, he's not going to help me, but the Samaritan sees someone who is bleeding and dying, and uh, in, a, in a desperate situation, and he thinks, I can do something about this situation. So he goes to him, and he gets involved. Do you know, Martin Luther King said this, that the first question that the priests and the Levite asked was, if I stop and help this man, what will happen to me? But the Samaritan reverses the question. He says, if I don't stop and help this man, what will happen to him? Now, that's a really good question to ask, isn't it? For us today, living here in Cheltenham uh, or Bristol or wherever it is that you live, if we don't stop and help that person who's broken, who's uh, rejected, who's cast aside, who's marginalized, who's struggling, who's suffering, if we don't stop and help them, what will happen to them? What will happen to them? You know, when God called you into the kingdom, he called you 
to prepare the way for others. He called you to be uh, one who has freely received and to be one who freely gives themselves away into the lives of those who so desperately need him. See, Jesus tells this story to illustrate what it means to love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. For me, that's a discipleship issue. It's not just a, a nice verse. It, it's a discipleship issue. It's about loving God with every part of my being. And, and let's just see this morning, just through four little points, how the Good Samaritan kind of illustrates for that for us. Here's the first thing I want to share with you this morning. Number one, he chose to see the need. He chose to see the need. You see, the man was moved in his soul. He was moved in his soul. When he saw him, it says, he took pity on him. He didn't close his eyes to the need like so many people do today. Uh, he chose to see the need. He saw someone lying on the floor, and he thought, I need to do something about this. Can I tell you, church, this morning, that's what Jesus does. He sees the need in your life. Now, we may be thinking about the poor, but he sees the need in you today. And you might think, well, I've come here today and nobody really knows my circumstances. But Jesus sees your need. He knows who you are. You're not forgotten. And I believe that that's a word for someone today, that he has not forgotten you. Even this week, you felt like you've been forgotten by God, but he has not forgotten you. He sees you. He's the God who sees. He's the God who knows. And he has heard your cry. And he cares about you. And, and please, today, talk to someone. Share that need. We want to pray with you. We want to minister to you today. Uh, but Jesus always sees the need. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. And he may see us all together here today, but he sees the individual. And he knows your heart and he knows your circumstances. And we need to be like Jesus. We need to be those who choose to see, that make it part of our, our daily lifestyle, that we're opening our eyes to see the needs around us, that we're not just so blinkered and that we're not just so focused upon ourselves, but that we are seeking to minister to those around us and to reach out with the love of God. And uh, God will bring us into all kinds of circumstances. I believe in divine appointments. And as we listen to the Holy Spirit, he will lead us into those situations where we can be Jesus in that situation. But you know what? We need to look further afield. We need to look at the needs in our world today, whether it's in this country or whether it's in other parts of the world, whether it's in Kenya, where you have an incredible focus there. We need to understand what is going on today. It's easy just to kind of just uh, think, well, that's what's happening. That's, that's what it is. But, but God wants us to understand his heart for the broken and the lost and the marginalized, and the poor, and the needy. Can I tell you today that 17,000 children will die of easily preventable causes? 17,000 children today alone, and yesterday, and tomorrow, and the day after. And so it goes on. Easily preventable causes like measles, like malaria, malnutrition-related causes, things like diarrhea, Wow, you don't want to talk about diarrhea at church on a Sunday morning, do we? And if you're offended, I'm so sorry, but it offends the heart of God that in the 21st century, still children die of something that is so easily um, uh, sorted out. 
And we can change that. We can make a difference to the situation, even as you are doing already. 17,000 children will die today of easily preventable causes. Nearly a billion people will go to bed hungry tonight. Children yearning for sleep because their, their stomachs are so kind of groaning and, and waiting uh, for something to eat. You know, there's parts of the world where mums will, will boil up stones and sing songs to their children to get them to sleep because they've got nothing to give them. It's not a great picture, is it, in this technological age of advancement where we can do so much and yet we still can't uh, sort the poor, uh, you know, minister to them in a way that they have something um, uh, even as we do. Do you know nearly 800 million people lack access to safe, clean water today? 2.4 billion people have no uh, safe place to go to the toilet even. And, and, and the results of, of not having accessible water or a place where they can go to the toilet uh, is not just an inconvenience. Can I tell you, it keeps girls out of school because maybe twice a day in rural parts of Kenya or wherever it may be in Asia, you know, a, a young girl, perhaps the age of 12, is, is told to go and find water and, and maybe she's got to walk five kilometers twice a day to get water to, 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 for the family to wash and to have water that will, they can drink and yet it's perhaps come from an unreliable source anyway. And so it's not really doing their health very good. But can you imagine that on the way back she's got this heavy load and now somebody takes advantage of her? And this girl is violated and, and now she's corrupted and nobody's going to marry her because of the fact that she's been corrupted. She's been raped. So what happens in some parts of the world is that the rapist will marry the girl as an honor marriage. Now she's subjected to, to, to abuse right the way through her, her adolescence. Now, uh, by the age of 13, she's perhaps got her first baby. By the age of 15, she's got another baby. By the age of 18, maybe she's got HIV AIDS. By the age of 22, she's, got, she's died. And you kind of wind it all back and you think... The reason was because she was in a vulnerable position and she wasn't able to access clean water just like you and I do. And the same goes when they've got to go find some place to go to the toilet where people will take advantage of their vulnerability. This is the needs in the world. We don't want to hear it, but the things we take for granted because we've got taps to turn on and we've got toilets that we can flush. But this is the reality and the challenge of the poor today, a daily challenge of survival, seeking to, to provide for their families. The list goes on. 130 million girls will not be in school today, tomorrow. Uh, and that's girls alone, let alone all the boys as well. Two million children will be sexually exploited this year alone. And that's on top of the 40 million people who are uh, somehow involved in modern day slavery and exploited for all kinds of purposes. Wow, these are the needs in our world. And sometimes we can think, oh, well, I don't need to know too much about that, you know. But, but it's happening here in Cheltenham, can I tell you? that people are being trafficked, that people are being abused, that people are being rejected and isolated. You know, we need to choose to see the needs because we might be the answer to those needs. You know, loving God with everything means allowing him to saturate our souls and touch our emotions with compassion so that when we see broken humanity, the love of Christ wells up and causes us to respond rather than to retreat. So do we close our eyes in fear? 
Or do we open our eyes in faith? Here's the second thing. He answered the cry. See, it wasn't enough to see the need. But he chose to answer the cry as well. He chose to do something about the situation. And he went to him. It's, it's one thing to have faith, but faith without deeds is not faith at all. And so there's an action involved. And, and this time we need to love God with our minds, not just with our souls. Because when we love God with our minds, it involves a conscious act of the will. Okay, it, it, it causes us to do something with the feelings that we have. You see, you can be moved by what you hear or see today. Uh, you can be moved by what you see on a VT on Comic Relief or, or whatever. But, but to love God with our minds is to yield our minds to him and to be obedient to his will. So it says that the, the Samaritan bandaged his wounds and poured on oil and wine. And then he put him on a donkey and he takes him to an inn to look after him. See, he's getting involved. He's not just having pity. It was more than pity. You see, compassion puts arms and legs and feet and hands upon pity and does something about it. That, that beautiful word, splagnitzomai, compassion. It's all about the suffering and the passion of Jesus. And, and when we uh, have his compassion, we are sharing in his suffering. And we are coming alongside him, him in his pain and his heart for a broken world. And he says, will you have my compassion in your life for those who desperately need it, who face injustice? Proverbs 21.13 says this, if a man shuts his ear to the cry of the poor, he too will cry out and not be answered. Wow, I don't like verses like that, do you? I like verses like, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He restores my soul. Or I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I love those verses that bless me, that minister to me, that encourage me. But then God kind of slips in these verses. If a man shuts his ear to the cry of the poor, he too will cry out and not be answered. Ooh, God, don't you want to bless me? Don't you love me? Don't you care about my... Yeah, but I want you to understand my heart. And I want you to understand the pattern that is involved. That as you share with what I feel, and as you uh, be burdened with those things and invest in those things, so I can bless you in a way that you won't even believe. So he chose to see the need. And, and then he answered the cry. Here's the third thing, moving on quite quickly this morning. He refused to give up. He refused to give up. So he didn't just patch him up on the side of the road and think, well, I've done my bit. Tick the box. I can, I can go on with my business now. Now he wants to see this guy come right the way through the situation. So he puts him on his own donkey. He takes him to an inn. He looks after him there. And then when he's got to go off on business, he says to the innkeeper, here's two days wages. Look after him. And if there's any more expense incurred when I get back, I will reimburse you then. See, here's a guy who, who wanted to see it right the way through to the end. He refused to give up. He was committed to seeing this person become whole once again. Now, this time, when you love God with all your strength, we will follow through in the things that God has called us to do, doing whatever it takes have you noticed, church, that sometimes we start things, we get very excited about things, and we start with good intentions, and yet, after a while, 
you know, perhaps we get a bit disillusioned. Or, or maybe there's opposition or criticism or, or a lack of fruit and we think, oh, well, I'm not really bothered anymore. I think I'll just lay that ministry down or, or, or stop praying for that person or, or whatever. But, but uh, you know, with all our strength means saying, God, I want to, what you've placed in my heart, what you've given me to do, I want to serve you faithfully in this particular thing. Can I encourage you today, church? Don't give up on that person that you've been praying for. Don't give up on that, that teenage son or daughter who's, who's turned their back on God and the church. Just keep loving them. Just keep having grace. Have patience. Pray for them. Bless them. Love them. That's what they need from you right now. Show them what the Father is like. Keep on pouring out your prayers to God in, in, for that situation. Don't forsake that ministry just because it's, it's got hard. If God hasn't told you to, to take your hand off it, keep on going. Because who knows, the breakthrough could be just around the corner. Too many people have missed out on God's best because they gave up too short of the opportunity. Keep on going. Don't, don't give up sponsoring that child when it gets too financially tough. You know, Turn off the skybox before you do that. Keep on going. Keep on investing. Keep on pouring out your life into the things that God has given you to do because you will see the breakthrough come and you will see uh, the results of, of what you've begun to do. You know, going back to some of those stats just now, back in the 80s, we used to say that 80, uh, 51% of the world's population lived in abject poverty. Now it's only 26%. You... Sorry, we used to say that 51% of the world's population lived in abject poverty. Now it's only 26%. There's a few people who are excited about that. But you see, you don't hear that stuff. It's changing all the time. You know, there are now 700 million people who are not living in abject poverty anymore in the last 10 years. Whoa! That's brilliant news. You see, all we get confronted with is the need. All you get confronted with is, is uh, you know, the pictures with kids with flies on their face. And we will never do that in compassion. We want to show great outcomes. We want to tell great stories of what can happen. So you only ever get confronted with the need sometimes out in there in the world. And the needs are great, but listen, it's changing all the time. In the past eight years, 22 countries have cut their, uh, those dying of measles in half. Other countries have eradicated diseases. You know, 8,000 HIV victims are getting uh, support uh, every year more than they ever were before. There are 250,000 less maternal deaths every year because of better standards of treatment and uh, equipment and resource. All of these things, it's changing and you are part of the change and thank you so much for that. Let's not give up. We can see abject poverty eradicated. Many de uh, development agencies would say this and experts would say if we continue at the current trajectory of change, we can see Abject poverty eradicated by 2035. That's incredible. That's not far away. Now, there'll always be poor in the land, but lifting people out of that desperate situation is achievable, and we can do that, and you are part of that. Can I share one more thing with you this morning? Okay? It's got 27 points. Here's point number one. Number, no, it hasn't. I'm only joking. 
So he, he chose to see the need. He answered the cry. He refused to give up. It's loving God with our soul, with our mind, with our strength. And now this time, he was the key to bringing life. The key to bringing life. You see, the Good Samaritan wasn't hindered by the difference of this man because he wanted to make a difference to this man. So he, wasn't, uh, he was willing to, to cross the political and the social and the, uh, the racial and the cultural divides and barriers and prejudices because he saw someone who had a need and he knew I've got the resources to be able to meet that need. The fear of the unknown. Maybe he could have got attacked. And we put up all these excuses and, you know, why we shouldn't do something. But actually, you know, let's think about why we should do things in our world today. See, this time when we love God with all our hearts, then everything we have will be yielded to him. Can I tell you that everything you've got doesn't belong to you? Yeah, but I've worked hard for that, Tim. I've got pensions. You know, I've, I've served, you know, faithfully in my workplace for all of these years and I'm planning for my retirement. Do you know what? That's fantastic. You need to do that. You need to be wise with your, your, your riches and all those things and to save up an inheritance for your children and your children's children. That's what the Bible talks about, to be generous and to be a blessing and all of these things. You, you absolutely do, but it doesn't belong to you. It belongs to him. See, we're only called to be stewards of that which God has given to you. David, when he, he worshipped God, he said, all that I have comes from you. And he recognized that he just had to steward that and be wise about that. So we need to steward the resources, whether it's finances or whether it's time, whether it's your gifting and ability. Steward that which God has deposited in your world, in your life. You know, uh, the world of a generous man gets larger and larger, but the world of the stingy, in every way I'm talking about, gets smaller and smaller. God's called us to live big lives, to live generous lives, to live lives that are overflowing and the more that you give away from yourself, whether it's in kind words, in acts of kindness, in love, in hugs, in writing letters, in, in giving your gifts, in, in spending time with people, the bigger person you are, the bigger God's gonna bless you and increase your world. He really, really will. We are stewards of his grace. What treasure we've got in our lives to spill out into the lives of those who so desperately need him as well. Just coming to an end now, but listen, here's, here's the priest. The priest represented religion. And the Levite represented uh, ritual. Can I tell you, God hates both. He's not into it. In fact, the only religion that God sees as being pure, James tells us, is to look after widows and orphans in their distress. So we're back to this theme that we're on this morning, okay? So God's not into religion and he's not into ritual. But, you know, um, uh, back there in Isaiah 58, the people thought that he was because they came to God and said, Hey, God, we've answered, we, we've done everything we should. We've prayed, we've fasted, we've carried out everything that you've required us to do. But you're not blessing us. You're not hearing us. God gets a bit angry and it says there, uh, you know, God starts to shout, shout aloud. And, you know, when God speaks like that in Scripture, when God shouts, he wants to get our attention. Because he's got something important to say. And he had something important to say to the church of that time who were saying, God, you don't care. You're not listening to us. And he says, on the day of your fast, you exploit all your workers. You climb on the backs of those 
uh, to, you, because you're greedy for gain. You, you abuse the poor. And it's all about you and it's not about them and it's not about me. And God says this, is not this the kind of fast that I've chosen? To loose the chains of injustice and, and to give food to the hungry and shelter to the homeless and, and, and not to turn the stranger away. Then your light will rise. Then your healing will come. And, and we're back to that Proverbs 21 verse. If a man shuts his ear to the cry of the poor, he too will cry out and not be answered. And God says, I want you to understand the pattern. Understand my heart so that you can uh, work with me and, and, and share my burden. And then I will bless you abundantly. And here's the good Samaritan. He represents relationship. Can I tell you that the poor need a friend? It's about relationship. It's not just ticking a box. It's not just doing our bit, our bit for charity. It's about relationship. It's about recognizing we have a responsibility to give away from ourselves and to hold the hand of those who are desperately lonely, who feel unloved, who don't feel like they've got a voice, that they're marginalized. You know, some people say, well, you know, poverty is this, 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 and this. But the, from the poor's perspective, poverty is not the opposite to wealth. The opposite to poverty is justice. And they need justice in their world. They need justice in their life. And when you hold the hand of somebody who is in that situation and you say, I'm going to speak up for you, it's about bringing justice into their world, into their life. And that's what you do. Uh, as Christians, we're called to feel the need of the broken. We're called to kneel beside humanity with humility. We're called to heal the wounds, physical, emotional, spiritual. We're called to serve and to give our lives. The Good Samaritan gave his time and his touch and his treasure to restore a broken person. Mother Teresa said this, that one of the greatest diseases is to be nobody to anybody. Wow, I'm glad I'm loved today. I've got a family that loves me. And so many lack that love in life and, and, and feel the hopelessness of that. And yet today, will you reach out and, and bless little baby? Don't put her in a corner. What about little mansion? Bring the kingdom of God to his house and make a difference in their life. Maybe it's not to sponsor a child. Maybe it's to say, I'm going to get involved in one of the other areas of ministry in the life of this church, reaching out food bank or uh, whatever it may be. Another missions organization, I don't care, let's just do something. And let's minister into our community and into our world today. Maybe the banker just come and, and uh, just join me up here. And I just want to tell one last story as we come to an end. And then we're just going to ask you to respond to that. And Gareth is going to pray for us at the end there. And some time ago, I was in Ethiopia. <clears throat> Quick drink. I was in Ethiopia and I'd taken a church out that sponsor many, many children out there. And, and uh, we were doing a fun day for the kids in this project. And, and uh, some of the, the team were with some of the children that were uh, skipping and others were running races and others were playing football and others were doing all kinds of things. And I found myself with this group of about 30 children. Maybe they were five, six-year-olds 
And I said to one of the guys, let's do some throwing and catching skills. And, and we got them into a circle, which is impossible in any part of the world to get kids into a circle. Teachers, you'll know what I mean. But we got them into a circle and he went in the middle with the ball and he's throwing the ball to each child and they're throwing it back. And I went around the outside and picked up the ball as, as it rolled out sometimes and threw it back in. And the kids were having such fun. And I watched as the ball went round and, and there was a little boy with a long sleeve white shirt, arms just hanging down by his side. And, and the ball came round and hit him in the chest. He didn't even try to go for it. It went round again and, and then it came back again and, and he didn't go for it again. Ball hit him in the chest and rolled away. I thought, I'm going to help this little one. And I came alongside him and crouched down and said, should we do this together? And he kind of looked up at me and his face was so, so sad. And I reached down to take his hand in mine and his other one too. And, and as I reached down, I realized he didn't have an arm in the sleeve. And on his left hand, he only had three fingers. And I thought, no wonder he couldn't go for the ball. This poor little one. Church, I literally became the right arm of this child. I became the left hand of this child. And what we're asking you to do today is, will you become the right arm of a child in Kenya? Would you become the left hand of support? Would you come alongside them? And, and, and you know, as we threw the ball together and the ball came back, suddenly the biggest smile came over his face because now he could join in. Now he had the opportunity to do what everybody else was doing. And that's what, uh, what sponsorship and investment is all about. It's helping a child to cross the line of poverty, to have a hope and a future, to be able to do what everybody else is doing, to, 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 to join in and to have an option in life. And, and, and that's what this child was able to do. Will you become the right arm of support, the left hand of encouragement today in the life of a child like Baby or Maison or all these other beautiful kids that are there? As we just worship the Lord, I wonder if we could just bow our heads Maybe the band can just play and, and let's just keep our focus upon Jesus. What's he telling you to do today? Maybe it's to perhaps be more grateful for the things that you have. Maybe it's to uh, have a different attitude about this kind of consumer world that we live in. Maybe it's to realize that what we have doesn't belong to us, but you're saying, God, I give it all back to you. Maybe it's to say, I want to sign up for food bank. I want to sign up for this ministry or whatever it may be. Maybe it's to sponsor a child. Maybe it's to say, hey, I need to take responsibility for giving into the life of this church. But what's the Holy Spirit saying to you today? Now, just in the area of sponsorship, for £25 a month, you can change the life of a child. That's a couple of visits to Starbucks. But you never know what you're going to do in that child. We have doctors and nurses, politicians, engineers, lawyers and doctors. Children that have grown through our program and who are now affecting change in their communities and in their nations. Because somebody held their hand and said, I want to make a difference in your life. If that's something that you would like to do, we've got some people around the room right now who've got some child profiles in their hands. And you can come to the table, of course you can afterwards, and choose a child. But right now, if you feel God saying to sponsor a child, and you say, I don't care which child comes, I'll, I'll take that child, then why don't you just raise your hand just right now 
£25 a month. You're going to give them health care. You're going to give them an education. You're going to give them all kinds of support. You're going to make a difference. You're going to help them cross the line of poverty and their families too. If that's you this morning, why don't you just raise your hand whether you're upstairs or downstairs and somebody just put one of those children into your hand. Maybe you want to sponsor another child today. Mm. Then why don't you do that too? Come and see us at the stand afterwards. Answer any questions. We will uh, help you as you seek to make a difference to a child. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Church, Thank can I invite us to stand? That would be great. And um, just, just to say, if you've, if you've taken a, um, one of the, um, the, ch- the children packs, um, that doesn't, um, just taking it doesn't mean you have to. Um, we, want to, we want people to be free to make a, a, a right decision before the Lord in this. And so we want to encourage you um, to have a look. Take it um, to the back and fill it in if that's what the Lord is saying to you. And church, the rest of us as well, if, if you've not picked one up, we would love to be sponsoring more of the children that are a part of our um, Caricho um, partnership. We're grateful for the work of Compassion. We're grateful for the work that they've done in particularly um, identifying children in one of our um, our new centres, a new centre um, that we can partner with them. So um, we really want to get this new centre off to a good start. I think we've got 150 children today and it'd be just be amazing if we could be sponsoring more as a church family. We want to give out of the generosity of God not out of the generosity of our finances. We want to give out the generosity of his heart. Um, So can I encourage us to be praying about that and to respond as the Lord leads. Jesus, we want to thank you for your presence. We want to thank you that you are the father of all. We want to thank you that you are our carer, that you are our provider. And we want to be the church that that give out of that overflow of all that you've given to us. Holy Spirit, we welcome your presence. Welcome your presence in this place.